says, as he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. There's going to be a thread that goes through most of the messages for this year. And uh, I felt like I got this a couple of months ago about who we are in Christ. So that's going to be, if I could say a theme for the year, that's going to be the theme for the year. And uh, because, listen, the only way for us to thrive and survive in 2023 is to know our identity. I truly believe that, um, you know, you don't even have to be a prophet to think this. There's probably going to be some darkness or some bad things that happen in 2023. And, um, and uh, I mean, who would have predicted the pandemic in 2020, you know? But um, this is the thing. No matter, I truly believe this, no matter how bad or how dark things get, the light of the world is on the inside of you and me. I said the light of the world is on the inside of you. So you darkness, no, how, no matter how thick or dark it gets, it cannot put out light. But light can put out the darkest darkness. Amen. First John 4.17. First John 4.17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, as Jesus is right now, so are we in this world. You know, a lot of people, we, it, most people, you know, and knowing about God, we put everything off when we get to heaven. We'll be healed when we get to heaven. We will prosper when we get to heaven. We'll be blessed when we get to heaven. And all of those are true. But Jesus didn't come just to make all of that a reality in heaven. He came and he says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Not in this heaven, but in this world. And so the more revelation you and I have. In other words, the more that you see, not with your physical eyes, but your spiritual eyes, who you are in Christ, the more you see that, the more of the reality as far as being healed, being blessed, and having peace, that will become a reality to you in this world. As he is, so are we. And I just believe that God wants us to thrive. I believe he wants us not just to barely get along, but he wants us to really, really be blessed. And listen, this is why when darkness does come, if you're a light shining, who's going to be looking at who? I think people who are in darkness are going to be looking to the light. I really believe that. And so um, who we are in Christ, you know, a lot of people have different ideas my ideas of even being born again. What does that mean, being born again? You know, Nicodemus in the Bible, he says, how can a man enter uh, the womb a second time? Thank God that's not what it means. <laughs> All the women should have said, thank God. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, I thought a 10-pound baby was big. But anyway, you know, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying... Uh, 
Well, let me just say there's a couple of there's several views. People have different ideas about being born again, giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I know one of them is people think that they when they get born again, this is the first view. God just gets his whiteout. You young people even know what whiteout is? Okay, just just checking. You know, I remember back in typing class in senior. You know, you make a mistake, and you know, and you'd have to get the whiteout. You know, and and then we got those electric typewriters that you can hit a button and erases it. Now that was moving up in the world. I mean, because it was so messy, you'd have to get those big round erasers. Man, this is making me feel like this is 1920. <laughs> really wasn't that long ago, just so y'all know. Anyway, so you would get this white out, and you white out, then you'd have to line up your paper and make sure that it's right on the right line. And anyway, you get this white out. But some people think that God just gets his white out and covers up your sins. That's okay. I know you're guilty and you sin, but I'm just going to get my white out and just kind of look the other way and cover up your sins. And some people think that. And nothing's really changed on the inside of you. You've just been forgiven. That's what some people think, which is wrong. Another view is something was added to them. Something was added to me. When I gave my life to Jesus, you know, Mike is still the same, but Jesus, he came and lived on the inside of Mike with all of my problems and all of my uh, just who I am. God just moved in beside me. And uh, I still have this old nature that still survives on the inside of me. And so I just struggle and I have to do the best I can to feed the right one. If I feed Mike's old nature, Mike's old man, he gets strong and I, I just can't do right. Or, or if I feed Jesus and, you know, and, and just do what I can to make sure that I do all of these things you know, for Jesus, then he is stronger on the inside of me. That's wrong. You know, people think, well, you know, Pastor, it says in Romans chapter 7, the things, and this is Paul, the things I don't want to do, I do. And so that's just my life. Me and Paul, we're in the same boat in Romans chapter 7. And what you don't realize, and this is the problem if you don't know your Bible. If you just take that one chapter, and man, I guess a lot of Christians have because they just think, you know, I sin because, you know, I'm just doing what uh, Romans 7 says, and but you, Romans 6 comes before Romans 7. And in Romans 6, he says that old man died. Romans 7 is basically a person who believes in God, but he's under the law. He's under the law. And you just can't keep the law. And so Paul is saying that if you're under law and not grace then you don't know who you are. And you'll live according to the law, and you'll never be able to keep up the law. And so you just do the things you don't want to do because you're under the law. But Romans 6 says that you, that old wretched man that you were, has died. He's a dead man. Romans chapter 6 18 times in one chapter it says died or dead. 
18 times. And then Romans 8, which is after 7, paints a picture of the Christian being the most victorious person in the Holy Ghost. So you have sandwiched in between those two what people really want to, to focus on. And you know why people want to focus on that? Because they see themselves missing it or sinning. And so they think, well, that's who I am. Well, we're going to teach you in the next 12 months that you have a different DNA inside of you. But listen, if you think, you know, you will only live out who you think you are. I'm going to say it again. You will live out who you think you are, whether it's true or not. If you just think you're a, I'm an old sinner, saved by grace. But you know, I just, I'm a sinner. I, that's just who I am. I am saved, but I'm a sinner. You will live out, you will sin by faith. You will. But this is what God has done that all of us, it's just hard to wrap your brain around this. Your past has totally been wiped out. 100% gone, and you now have a brand new past in Christ. You know, we like uh, doing that DNA test. You know, you get to figure out what countries you're from. I'm, I'm, what, I don't want to say a mutt, but there are so many. There is nothing pure in, in our bloodline at all. You know, I, you know, people say, oh, I'm this, I'm that. I go, I have no idea, you know. But uh, it's interesting, isn't it? It's really, and I, I love doing that. But this is the thing. When it comes to God, your spiritual tree is real easy to follow. It's Jesus and then you. It's God, then you. That is, and do you realize, we, see, this is hard for us to get a hold of. The DNA that is in Jesus is now become your DNA. And if you and I have a greater revelation of that, you will live out who you are. As he is, so are we in Pueblo, Colorado. So are we. So are we. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 3 says this. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? This was what Paul was teaching, that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So it doesn't just barely cover up your sin. It says grace much more abounds. So he said, so the people just sit there, oh, so if grace is abounding, so do we just get to sin? So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? Paul says, what a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? So this is what Paul was saying. He was saying that when Jesus died, you died too. You died too. So, you know, a lot of people, they say, you know, Jesus came just to fix us. No, he didn't. I just need fixing. No, he didn't come to fix you. He came to kill you. 
came to kill that old man. He says, I'm killing the old man, and I'm burying him. People go, I just want to be fixed. No, you don't. He doesn't want to fix you. He wants to kill you. How's that for a gospel? And let me tell you, all of us needed to die. And somebody goes, well, no, 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 honey, you're deceived. You needed to die. The whole world needs to die. And the Bible says we were put in the grave with him, but we were also raised with him. The sinful man died. The old man is dead. However you see yourself, that's how you're going to live by faith. If you believe that old nature is still alive and well, you will fulfill that. You'll fulfill that. If I, uh, let's say this is a Bible and I got this piece of paper here. And I put this paper inside here. Whatever I do with the Bible is going to happen to the paper. Would everybody agree with This is not a magic show. I'm not going to open this up. <laughs> and where did the paper go? No, it's still going to be in there. But anyway, you, are you following me? All right, stay focused. So if I bury this book, in, it's actually an iPad, and put it in the grave, put it under the ground, what happens to the paper? It's buried with it. If I pull this up and take this out of the grave, what happens to the paper? If I set this on the highest place that I could, what happens to the paper? It's on the high place. Jesus said we were buried in Christ with him. We were raised. With, did you have anything to do with that? Hmm. I'm going to say it again. Did you have anything to do with that? No, you just had to believe that you were placed inside. And once you're placed on the inside, you died with him. You were resurrected with him. And you are seated in heavenly places with him. We just need to focus on that. Get a hold of that. Whatever, listen to this statement. Whatever is true with Jesus, this, this will make your doctrinal theology go sideways. Whatever is true with Jesus is true with you. You don't have anything to do with it. Whatever is true with Jesus is true with you. He came for you. He came to do it for you. He came to do all of this because he knew man could not do it. People quit God, quit church, quit everything because I just can't do it. I go, neither can I. Join the club. This is why we're in this club called the body of Christ because we couldn't do it. That's why we needed a Savior. He came because he knew. He goes, God says, you know, nobody's going to be able to do this. So I'm going to send you Jesus. And you're going to do it for them. You're going to live the perfect life without sin for them. You're going to die for them. You're going to take the curse for them. You're going to become sin for them. And you're going to die as them. And you're going to be raised as them. You're going to be seated in heavenly places as them. I don't know. It's hard to wrap your head around that. But it, it's a fact. It is a fact. Romans 6, 4 says this, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried 
and entombed with him. So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Verse 5. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Imparted to you. It's in you today, right now, all that Jesus is. His power, you know, you know I used to pray this as a Christian. Maybe, Lord, I just pray that you give me more power than this. You cannot get any more power than Jesus. You can't get any more than him. Just send the power, God. He already did 2,000 years ago. There's no more power coming. I said there's no more power coming. If the devil can make you think that there is more or we need to strive for more, that's what you spend your life doing, just striving and reaching for more, all the while not realizing that it's already in you and me. Hallelujah. Oh, we just need the power. You know, we sing that. I won't sing it, but anyway, <laughs> send the power. And let me, let me just say this. I believe in 2023, God wants to show up. He just wants to show himself. I believe this is going to be a year where there's going to be some terrible things happen, and God's going to show up. There's going to be some really bad things that happen, and God's going to show up. And he's not waiting on the bad to happen. He's not waiting on anything but you and me believing in him. Believing in the supernatural. I believe we're going to see miracles. I believe, and it's not because, oh, God just finally wanted to do them. Oh, he just finally wanted to do that. No, it's finally that we are waking up, you know, arriving the sleep out of our eyes and go, oh, dear Lord, I didn't know there was miracle working power on the inside of me. It's all over this planet. It is all over this planet. It's just like the oil. There is so much oil. There's enough oil. You know, I'm not going to get into all of this hug a tree stuff. But anyway, I, I just know there's enough oil all over this planet to fulfill every. There's enough. And if, the, if you want to go to something better, guess what? There's enough. Whatever that we need to live for energy, for electricity, whatever we need, if it's not oil, I guarantee you it's, on, it's in this planet today right now to take care of all mankind. It is. Everything is here right now today to take care of us. You know, so don't get me wrong. I'm not pro-oil. I just, I'm pro-God. And everything that he said, I've made everything that you need for life. Verse 6, Romans 6, 6. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? Your former identity is deprived of its power. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us. So that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Let me just say this. We're not, you know, have you ever been to meetings where, you know, we're just going to pull down strongholds? The problem with that is if you're seated above, the Bible says that everything is beneath our feet. 
therefore, if something is a stronghold, where is it at? But Christians are saying, we just got to pull the strongholds down. You don't know who you are. And you don't know what happened at the cross. Everything is beneath you. Cancer is beneath you. Uh, Every demonic thing on this planet is beneath your feet. So if the devil can trick you to think you just need to grab hold of that stronghold and pull it down, what he is trying to tell you is that he is above you. There is no stronghold above you and me. I'm going to say it again. There is no stronghold above you and me to pull down. Everything is beneath your feet. So when you're going against something physically, don't just say, man, I got to pull this down. No, you go, hey, listen, you're beneath my feet. I don't know why you're trying to rise up because you're beneath me. Sickness is beneath you. Poverty is beneath you. Depression is beneath you. Everything of the curse is beneath you. Don't let it think that it's high and mighty. No, it's beneath you. Make it so. Verse 7. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. (laughs) And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of life. You know, and I know some people say, well, Paul said, I die daily. So what is all that about? You know what he's talking about? Persecution. You read the life of Paul, man, was that dude persecuted or what? So he says, I die daily because of persecution. He wasn't talking about his old man. He wrote Romans, so he knows the old man's dead. So he's not going to say, yeah, he just keeps resurrecting, you know, and I have to kill him. No, the old man was buried. He died. He was buried. He was burned in ashes, and there's nothing that exists of him ever again. He can't come back off the grave. But then there's a different viewpoint of being born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The Passion Translation says, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new creation. One translation says, He's become a new species that never existed before. He's become a new creation. All that is related This is the Passion Translation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Vanished. This would include our old identity. This is what the word vanished. I got this. If you read the Passion, there's a little bitty letter beside vanished. And it says this. This would include our old identity. It's vanished. Your old nature. People are saying, you know, I'm just fighting my old nature. Good luck trying to find it. It says, your old identity has vanished. Our life, listen to this, our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, our old mindsets, we are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You are brand new. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, one of my favorite. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So it's not Mike and his old nature and the spirit of God. It's one spirit. It's Jesus on the inside of you. 
and on the inside of me. So even though this is true, we have to have a revelation by faith to understand this and to start living it out by faith. It takes faith, seated in heavenly places, knowing that everything that it says it's stronger than you. Oh, this sin's too strong for you. Oh, this is why, and this is why you keep doing this. This addiction, this is why you, this addiction is so strong. If you realize that that addiction is beneath your feet, it'll be broken. You don't need, you know, just think, oh, I'm going to have to fast for 40 days to get rid of this addiction. No, if you have an eye-opening experience that that addiction is beneath your feet, it's not, it does not have the power to enslave you. Greater is he. Either this is true or not. Was Satan defeated at, at the cross or not? Some people still think he's alive and well and is one of the most powerful beings on the planet. The devil's after me. And? Yeah, but you don't realize he's just really after me. And? If every demon that has ever existed and Satan himself came on your porch and camped out, Greater is he that is in you than he that is coming against you. Satan was defeated. What does it mean, defeated? He lost. Satan was defeated, totally defeated. I know Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, it's not me that's doing the living. It is Christ in me that's doing the living. How much do you think Satan has against Jesus. How much authority? How much power? How can he come against Jesus himself? Oh, nothing. I mean, I'm telling you, Jesus is, he's supreme over all of that. Then as he is, so are you. So are you. In Ephesians. You know, you read in Ephesians, and a lot of people think, this is... When you read the New Testament, you have to put new covenant glasses on. There's a lot of people still have old covenant glasses when they're reading the New Testament, and you will interpret it wrong. For example, some people think, especially when you read Ephesians, if you have old covenant glasses on, Jesus has given us more rules to keep. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Be kind one to another. I'm just, man, there's, Pastor, there's a lot of rules in there. No? If you have old covenant glasses, that's what you'll think. But if you take those off, you put on new covenant glasses, you'll realize it's a picture of what Christ living through us and in us will look like. Let me explain. If you put on new covenant glasses, husband's love your wife, if you have a revelation of who you are in Christ, that will automatically happen. If you put on new covenant glasses, children, obey your parents. That is a fruit of what happened. This is not something that you strive to do. Oh, we, the love chapter. Oh, my goodness. We got we to gotta be more kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. We have to be that. No, this is how you read it. Because I'm a new creature in Christ, this is what a new creature who knows who he is and his identity, this was what it will look like. Paul was speaking in Ephesians. Do you realize who he's talking? They were saved people that were total pagans and idolatry. They, they worshiped idols. 
They had no clue what righteousness looked like. Follow me now. They had no clue what righteousness looked like. So Paul was saying, hey, if you're righteous, it looks like husbands are going to love their wives. It looks like children are going to obey your parents. It looks like you're going to be kind one to another. You're going to love one another. And then what do we do? We take that and say, well, I've got to do all of these things. I've got to keep all of these things. He was saying, no. Know who you are. It becomes effortless. And let me just say this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You and your own discipline cannot do that. See how that works for you. So wives, if you sit there, you just need to do what the Bible says. No. How far will that get you to? If you've done that in the past, you know. No, you can't point your finger to your wife, and the wife can't point your finger at him. You need to do what the Bible. No, this is what it's all about. As a wife, you need to do what God says to do. Know who you are in Christ, and that is your responsibility. As a husband, know who you are in Christ. That is your responsibility. If you take those responsibilities, you will have a great relationship with one another. Instead of pointing your finger and saying, you're not keeping the rules. You're not keeping the rules. You're not keeping the rules. We do that with God. Christians do that with other Christians. You're not keeping the rule. God's probably going to pour his wrath out on you because you're just not doing good enough. You know, you're not doing good enough. Relationship is not about keeping rules. Mm. If I'm a saint, then, Pastor, why do I still sin? Can you sin while no longer having a sin nature? I mean, Pastor, if that old man dies... Can I still sin? Oh, just, let's just all be honest. Yes, you can. Yes. Why? It's something called a free will. You get to choose. And you say, so, but if, I, if that old man's dead, truly dead, then how can you sin? Let me ask you this. Listen to me. This is so good and simple. Adam and Eve, before they sinned, did they have a sin nature? It's not a trick question. They were perfect before God, were they not? Adam and Eve were perfect before God. They did not have any kind of sin nature. They were perfect. And yet, being perfect in Christ, in God, they sinned. No old nature in them. No sin nature in them. Sin was not even on the planet. Yet, in that perfect state, they sinned. How? They had a free choice. And in that free choice, this is why they sinned. Satan came to him and said, you want to be like God? Then eat of that tree. Let me ask you something. Were they like God? Created in whose image? How can you get even more like God if you're created in his image? They were already like God. And here comes the deceiver and says, listen, the reason God doesn't want you uh, to eat of this is because he knows that the day you do, you'll be like him. They were deceived. And in that deception, they chose poorly, 
and they chose to sin because they were deceived. Had nothing to do with their nature. You and I fall into the same trap. You don't sin because of your old nature. Oh, I'm just sinning because, you know, that old man's alive and well. No, he's dead, buried, burned in ashes. The ashes were gone, disappeared, vanished away. He doesn't, there's no part of that DNA in you any longer. You sin the same way Adam and Eve. I sin the same way Adam and Eve. We're deceived. You don't know who you are. Or you think that you do something that will cause your life to be better. Or you have to do that sin to make things right. It's deception. It's deception. So, how do we do this? Let me close with this. This is how you have to do to focus on this. You have to consider who you are. Meditate until you get a better grasp of it. Am I saying, oh, if we do this, we'll never sin? No, I'm not saying that at all. In Romans 6, 11, it says this. So let it be the same way with you, since you are now joined with him. Romans 6, 11, the Passion Translation. It says, since, so let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Christ, the anointed one. So, we have to believe. You have to renew your mind. Romans chapter 12 says you have to renew your mind. This is where the problem is. It's not in your nature. It's in your mind. We choose poorly or we think on wrong things. We don't focus on who we are. We can't. And listen, Paul was writing in Romans to believers. He says renew your mind so you won't be like the world. Evidently. Believers can be just like the world. Isn't that a revelation? Paul said you can be just like the world. But he says renew your mind so you don't fall into that trap. Renew your mind so you don't fall into that trap. You know, Andrew Womack has a great illustration. He says, you have never seen your face. You've never seen your face. How do you see your face? In a mirror, which is not truly your face, it's just a reflection of your face. So your true face has never been seen by you. And some of us think, thank the Lord. But anyway, I mean, anyway, you've never seen it. But you, this is what happens. You have to believe that the reflection represents who you really are. It's not you, but you have to believe that the reflection of the mirror is you. So you're looking at it, and that's why, you know, people stand in front of it for hours upon hours. But anyway, you're trying to make every hair and everything perfect, and, and you work on it, and you work on it. Why? Because you believe what you're seeing is who you really are. James chapter 1 says this. You really don't know who you are. You're not seeing who you truly are. So in James chapter 1, it says, look into the perfect law of liberty. 
as a man who looks in a mirror and forgets who he is, he says, make sure you look into the word of God to know who you are because you will forget what you look like. I'm just a sinner. I'm just this. I'm just weak. I'm just that. Yeah. You'll live that out real easy. I've done that. You've done that. We've all done that. Don't look so holy out there. We've all done that. But he says you look into the mirror, and then you get a true reflection of who you are. You look into the word. Now, this is Mike. This is you. This is you. This is you. This is the real you. You look into that. This is who you are. You look into that. You get the, the perfect reflection. If you look into the world, if you look at your circumstances, if you look at how you feel, if you look how you're treating people, if you look at anything, and I mean, we're quick to do that with other people. Yeah, man, they're just mean. They're just that, and they're just that. Yeah, and you walk on water? <laughs> no, it's just this. Some days we know who we are better than other days. Is that true? In 2023, let's get to know who we are better than what we thought we were in 2022. So we can not only survive 2023, so we can strive in 2023. Amen? Let's stand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you for our eyes to be focused on who we are, to be focused on Lord, the world is just pulling apart because we are all, everybody, including Christians, we're focusing on what our differences are, what our opinions are, whether it be political, whether it be how the economy can be better, or even, well, that church, that denomination believes this. We're, we're constantly just focusing on our differences. And Jesus, you never did do that. You didn't even do that with sinners, much less believers. You love them. And your presence, because of your tremendous love, it changed sinners. Not because you pointed out their sin, but you poured out your love. So this year, God, help us not to look at all of our different opinions that would cause division, that would cause strife. Because there will be plenty of that and it will grow and it will be big in 2023. But as the church, it should not be. We should not be like that, Father. So help us to realize who we are, Christ in us. Christ in us. So we pray that, that you will help us to see that this year in Jesus' name. Amen.